just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your week is going well. Well, We're now fully into the month of December, and December's a busy month for those folks that celebrate Christmas. It's kind of frenetic. People are out shopping everywhere. There's crowds. There's traffic. People planning get-togethers, figuring out what they're going to cook, what they're going to wear. It's a very busy time of year. But when you get to the point, when you get to Christmas, it's all very gratifying because of all the closeness and the seeing friends and family. Whenever I come to this time of year, I feel compelled to tell an old family Christmas story. It's very touching, very sensitive, very apropos of the season. Now, I know there's going to be some folks out there that don't celebrate Christmas. Now, don't be offended. I'm not trying to insult you by telling this story. This is just my experience, and the story's good enough where I need to tell it. And trust me, you'll like the story just as much as the people who do celebrate Christmas. Okay, so this 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 Christmas takes place around the mid-1940s, maybe even 43, 44, something like that. Now, I wasn't around. I wasn't born till 1960. But this involves my mother, her sister, my grandmother, and grandfather. Now, they're living in the Twin Cities, a suburb of the Twin Cities. My mom's maybe five, six. Her sister's four, five. My grandmother's there, and my grandfather is there in the Twin Cities. But this is the time of World War II, or as my grandfather would say, the big one. (laughs) And he served his time in World War II. And about this time, this particular Christmas, my grandfather is overseas fighting in the war, the big one. He's driving a truck for a program called Red Ball Express. That was a faction of the U.S. Army. Interesting story in its own right. We'll talk about that again at some later date. But this is Christmas time. My grandfather is overseas fighting in World War II. So at home in the Twin Cities are my grandmother, my mom, and my aunt. And my mom and my aunt are very young children. So this is the 1940s, and it's a tough time. There's not a lot of money. And uh, you got my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother living alone during war times. It's kind of scary. A lot of times in those eras, people would get together and live together just to support one another. And that's exactly what happened this particular Christmas time in the mid-40s. My grandmother had a sister that lived up in the North Woods, a small town in northern Minnesota. She was married, had some kids too. So... What my grandmother's sister said, hey, why don't you come live with us until until your husband comes home from the war? And so my grandmother, feeling a little uncertain about what was going on where she was, she said, sure. So she packs up the two kids, goes up to this small town in northern Minnesota, and lives with her sister, her ki- their kids, and her husband. Now, her name is May. My 
great uncle or whatever he is was Uncle Kenny. Now, Uncle Kenny was this very short guy, but he was very funny, great guy, <laughs> and kind of a prankster. So anyways, they're all living together in this smaller house in northern Minnesota. There's my grandmother, her two kids, my grandmother's sister, her three kids, and their Uncle Kenny. Well, it's a Christmas Eve night, and it's very idyllic because it's snowing outside, they're in the woods, all the kids are playing indoors, getting ready for Christmas, getting excited because Santa Claus is coming tomorrow. Can you imagine all these kids ranging from three to seven years old getting excited about Santa Claus is coming to the house tonight to leave all kinds of presents? Now, my grandmother and her sister are making up some food for the next day, the feast the next day. So everybody's busy, except Uncle Kenny. Uncle Kenny's sitting over in a corner in a chair. He's reading a newspaper or something. And then all of a sudden, he gets everybody's attention. He slams the newspaper down, and he says, Hold up, be quiet, be real quiet. Don't say anything. And he looks around the room and he says, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And everybody's going, what? I I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. He said, God damn it, there's somebody on the roof. (laughs) Now, of course, all the kids are excited. That's Santa. He's here early. Great. Awesome. We're going to see Santa. And it's awesome. What could be better on a Christmas Eve night in the north woods of Minnesota and all the kids are together? What a beautiful possibility here. So my Uncle Kenny, as I said, kind of a prankster. (laughs) And he might have had two, three, nine beers that night because he was a drinker too. So he gets up, seemingly kind of angry. He walks across the room, and now this is in the woods. So there's a shotgun (laughs) sitting in the corner across the room from him. So he gets up, puts on his coat, walks across the room, grabs the shotgun, walks outside. Now everybody inside go, what's he doing? What's he doing? Santa's here, for Christ's sake. Stay inside the house. But Uncle Kenny goes outside the house with the gun. And the next thing they hear is three shots over the top of the house. <laughs> Kenny comes back in the house. The kids are looking at him like, what, what's going on? And Uncle Kenny says, finally I got that red son of a bitch. <laughs> now the kids start crying. Uncle Kenny ended up sleeping on the couch for about a month. Grandma and the aunt had to spend hours and hours trying to settle these kids down, stop them from crying, (laughs) and getting them to understand that Santa wasn't killed by Uncle Kenny. (laughs) Probably not what you were expecting, but I love that story. The fact is, it's absolutely true. I heard it from my mom. I heard it from my aunt. I heard it from my grandmother. I heard it from Uncle Kenny's kids, so I know it's true. (laughs) It left a scar on some of those kids, but they all grew up and did just fine. So hopefully your Christmas will be a little cheerier and less violent than than Uncle Kenny, Aunt May, my grandma, my mom, and my aunt, and all those people. Hopefully it's better for you. Hopefully you don't have a crazy-ass Uncle Kenny that goes and tries to shoot Santa Claus. (laughs) 
Anyway, let's talk about what's going on in the news. And you can retell that. Call it your own if you like. Because that's really a beautiful story to tell on Christmas Eve. Anyway, in the last podcast, we were talking about Mark Meadows and how he's flip-flopping all over the place. You remember he got uh, a subpoena from the House Select Committee for the investigation of the insurrection on January 6th. He's a natural choice. He was the chief of staff for Donald Trump. He was in the White House with Donald Trump on January 6th. They were talking back and forth and doing God knows what when this whole insurrection was going on. So they issue him a subpoena. And he says, well, I don't have to testify because I have executive privilege. Well, shortly thereafter, uh, everybody realized that uh, executive privilege for a former chief of staff or even a former president isn't a thing. It's not real. You don't have it. But still, Mark Meadows was holding off. I'm not going to testify until we go through 19 court cases to prove I'm wrong. That's how they do it, right? They just try to delay and delay and delay. Well, then a short time after that, Steve Bannon, who was also refusing to comply with the subpoena, ends up getting referred to the DOJ and then ultimately charged with criminal contempt of Congress. So at that moment, Mark Meadows says, you know, maybe I will talk. Maybe I will talk. Then his book comes out. He thinks Donald Trump's going to be proud and love him for it, but Donald Trump hates the fucking book and is mad as hell at <laughs> at Mark Meadows. Now, I know you've heard this story already, but I'm leading up to the final part of it. So Mark Meadows is upset because um, he doesn't want to get referred to the DOJ and possibly go to jail, probably go to jail like Steve Bannon will. But at the same time, he doesn't want to piss off Donald Trump, his Lord and Savior. So what's a boy to do? What can he do? He's really stuck between a rock and a hard place. He's not going to testify because if he testifies, that's going to make Donald Trump mad. But if he doesn't testify, he's going to have to go to court and probably be convicted of a criminal contempt of Congress and have to go to jail up to two years and get big fines of up to $200,000. So what can he do? Now, here's where the new part of the story comes in. So Mark Meadows is scared shitless at this point because he's got nowhere to turn. Either way, he loses. He's starting to get cornered. So what can he do? Well, the only thing he can do is take a page out of the Donald Trump book and file a lawsuit against Nancy Pelosi and some of the people on the House Select Committee. <laughs> oh, man. And you'll never guess what he's suing for. What he's saying in the lawsuit, and an actual lawyer signed off on this, what it says in the lawsuit <laughs> is that the U.S. House of Representatives doesn't have the power to issue subpoenas, <laughs> which is absolutely fucking ridiculous. That makes no sense. And it's crazy for Mark Meadows, who used to be in Congress, to even say that. He knows better than that. The judge knows better, or the, the lawyer knows better than that. So why they're doing it? Well, of course, to try to delay the issue. He wants to avoid testifying 
so he doesn't piss off Donald Trump, but he wants to stay out of jail. And this is his go-to plan. Well, it's not going to work. He's still going to be referred to uh, the DOJ and ultimately charged with criminal contempt of Congress. Will he be able to delay it? I don't know. It doesn't really fucking matter. Because, you see, Mr. Genius, <laughs> Mark Meadows, before he said he wasn't going to show up this last time and then he wanted to file this lawsuit. He already turned over like 6,000 documents out of the White House <laughs> that happened in and around January 6th. Yeah, he turned over 6,000. Totally free will handed over. Now, the interesting thing about these 6,000 documents, there's a lot of interesting information. There's a lot of text messages with... Uh, Mark Meadows and other people leading up to January 6th. In fact, there's one text message where uh, somebody was talking about uh, replacing the electors in certain states so they could get Donald Trump elected, even though Joe Biden won. And Mark Meadows' response to that was, I love it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Just even talking about that, that's an illegal thing. That can't happen. That won't happen. And it's illegal. And here's the chief of staff of Donald Trump's administration saying, oh, I love that. There's a lot of information in these 6,000 pages or documents that really kind of implicate Mark Meadows in January 6th. So he just handed that over. Now what... What uh, the select committee want to do is ask him questions about those documents. But now he says he has executive privilege. He's going to sue to try to stay out of being testifying. So why would he do that? Well, no doubt Donald Trump said, look, I'm pissed off at you. If you want me on your side, you better not fucking testify. And what he did is he put Mark Meadows in a tough situation. He put him in a situation where no matter what he does, he's going to make a bad choice and he's going to suffer some consequences. Personally, if I was uh, worried about going to jail or pissing off Donald Trump, it wouldn't be a question. <laughs> I'm not going to jail. Don't give a fuck about Donald Trump. And Mark Meadows shouldn't if he hopes to have any career beyond next year. <laughs> but he can't make that choice. So he's got this lawsuit out there. And I know people are upset and worried that Mark Meadows, Steve Bannon, Jeffrey Clark are trying to avoid testifying. Or if they do testify, they're going to plead the fifth. In fact, Roger Stone said he'll testify, but he'll plead the fifth. So people are all concerned that this will muck everything up and they'll never get anything exposed. Do not worry about that. Don't worry about it. Because you have to understand the select committee has already interviewed or questioned 270 people in and around these people, the administration, <clears throat> the White House in general. They've already talked to them. They have all kinds of information. And don't forget, Mark Meadows already turned over 6,000 documents of his own volition and said, yeah, here you go. And then later makes the change to say, I'm not testifying. Who cares if you're fucking testify, Mark? 
You gave 6,000 documents that give out a lot of information. They don't necessarily need you to testify. But with all the people who have already testified, trust that the House Select Committee has more than enough material to first expose this and also at some point recommend to the DOJ for some indictments, which could include Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump may get a subpoena, and he'll probably not show up. He'll try to delay it, but it doesn't matter. You can delay subpoenas, but you can't delay indictments. You just can't delay indictments. If an indictment comes down, you're done. You can try anything you want. You want to go to court? Fine. That indictment will bring you to court. And that brings me to a question I had from a um, follower on TikTok. They asked me, will Trump be indicted? And when will it be? Well, I'll tell you this. Based on what I know about the Manhattan District in New York, they've already indicted his company. They've already indicted indicted his CFO. They're looking very hard at how Donald Trump will underestimate the value of properties, then overestimate the value of properties depending on who he's talking to and how it's going to benefit him financially. That's highly illegal. We know the Manhattan District is going to send out some more indictments. And really, the only people left are Donald Trump and his family. There really isn't anybody else to indictment indict. So some indictments are going to come out, and no doubt Donald Trump will ultimately be indicted. And if that doesn't work, we've got Georgia. Remember how Donald Trump called up the Secretary of State, tried to coerce him into flipping the numbers and giving him 11,780 votes so he could win in Georgia? Yeah, it was on audio tape, so there's no question that he did it, and there's no question that it's illegal. The Attorney General down in Georgia is working on that. We recently heard that there is going to be a grand jury, which will no doubt send out some indictments. And who else is there to indict but Donald Trump? He made the call. It's on audio tape. Now, there are some other people, Roger Stone and Mark Meadows, oddly enough, who are also on tapes. So they could be indicted, too. But... If there are indictments coming out of Georgia, it's got to include Donald Trump because he's the one that broke the fucking law. He was too stupid. He was too brazen and arrogant. He calls the Secretary of State and tries to blackmail or coerce this guy into flipping the numbers. Of course, he didn't. And now Donald Trump's mad. And it's on audio tape. There's going to be an indictment out of Georgia, and Donald Trump will have to be on that list. And lastly, there's the insurrection. All this information is coming out. We know that most of the information is going to lead back to Donald Trump. They've already talked to uh, 270 people that work closely with the administration or in the administration. People are just saying, yeah, I'll talk. I mean, we just mentioned the other day how the uh, chief of staff for Mike Pence, Mark Short, is willingly cooperating. But he knows a lot of shit. And he wants to stay out of jail, so he's going to give a lot of information. There's an excellent chance that out of the findings from the House Select Committee, it'll get exposed, everybody will see it. But then again, it will likely be referred to the DOJ if it's a crime, 
to take to the grand jury and ultimately get indictment. So if your question is, is Donald Trump going to get indicted? I think there's no question about it. He's going to get indicted at some point. He did too many things and there are too many people going after him to get an indictment. If only one of those things comes through, he's going to be indicted. So he's going to get indicted. Now, will he get convicted? Yeah, I think he could get convicted. I mean, how do you not convict a guy who broke a law and it's on audio tape? Fuck. Of course he should get convicted. Now, the last question is, will he go to jail? That I'm not sure about. It's kind of a weird thing to put a former president in jail. But what it will do is basically shut down his company, stop all the money coming in, and they're mostly money going out. He'll still be able to try to grift his base, but his businesses will be shut down. He'll be exposed for who he is. He'll be tied up in court with lawsuits and, of course, these indictments and all this sort of thing. He'll be broke. He'll be broken in terms of his... uh, identity, his persona. He'll be wandering around Manhattan with shitty pants and no place to go. And to be perfectly honest with you, even if he doesn't go to jail, that would be enough for me. So now the question, other part of that question was, when is it going to happen? Well, any of these things could happen at any time within moments. But I would have to say on the outside, probably in the spring, you know, March, April, May, in that general area. You're probably saying, why would you say that? I don't know. I don't really have any indication that that's the case, but I know how long the process is when you're dealing with courts and that sort of thing. He may be in a position right now to be indicted today, and maybe he is. But I think the process is such that it takes a longer time to get there. And I think it might even take a little longer in this instance, because when you're indicting a former president of the United States, you better fucking have it right the first time and not have any problems with that indictment. Otherwise, you're going to look really stupid. So I would bet that the people uh, in the Manhattan district in Georgia, the people in the DOJ that will be looking at this or are looking at this, are going to be very careful. They're going to take their time so they make sure they do it properly. Now, here's another thing to consider. Why isn't the DOJ investigating Donald Trump for his crimes? Well, we don't know that they aren't. I mean, the fact of the matter is the DOJ, if they are investigating somebody like the former president, they're going to be very tight-lipped about this. They don't want anything to get out because that will just screw up their case. So it may appear as though they're not doing anything in terms of investigations with Donald Trump, but I'd be surprised if there weren't something going on. There's just too much shit, and the DOJ can't afford to look like they're uh, holding the bag here on Donald Trump when everybody else is coming through with indictments. So there probably is some kind of investigation going on with Donald Trump in the DOJ. We don't know about it. We haven't heard about it, but that's not surprising given the circumstances. So again, the answer to the question, will he get indicted? Yes, I absolutely believe he will get indicted. There's no way he can't get indicted. Whether it gets to a convention, a conviction and or jail time, it could go either way. 
but it doesn't matter. Once all this is exposed and Donald Trump is being run through the mill in courts and lawsuits and all this sort of shit, he isn't going to have time to worry about running in 2024. The people that follow him will start backing away because now he's been exposed for the criminal he is. If it shows he was part of the insurrection, how can anybody continue to follow him? I mean, anybody but his base because his base is fucking stupid. But the people in the middle between the Democrats and the Republicans, not sure which way to go. It'll be pretty apparent which way they need to go once they hear all that they are going to hear. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, got a quick question for you, then we'll get into some more stuff. We're talking about the Build Back Better bill. All that money, $1.75 trillion to go back to the middle class, something that should have come decades ago and now is sitting on the docket and hopefully it will pass and we'll see the benefits from that and ultimately the country will see the benefits from that. But when you talk about Republicans, you talk about Joe Manchin, what's the one thing they say? Man, that's a lot of money. How are we going to pay for that? We got to really look at this and check into everything to make sure we aren't spending ridiculous amounts of money that we don't have. But here's the funny thing. They're agreeing to send our defense budget $768 billion, three-quarters of a trillion dollars. $768 billion to the defense budget And who's saying, how can we afford that? We can't do that. No, fuck no, that's a rubber stamp. They don't act like that's a lot of money. It's a given. They're going to bring it up, and they're going to pass it, and they're going to send them the money. Now, you have to understand, our defense budget is about three times anyone close to us. And anyone close to us is an ally. So we don't have to protect ourselves against them. We're spending ridiculous amounts of money in our defense department. And the reason we are doing that is because there are a lot of uh, people in the military industrial complex, companies that make a lot of money making weapons and ammunition and technology for war and all those sorts of things. These people are making tons of money. And why? Because the budget is huge and nobody questions it. Nobody asks why. Nobody says, how can we afford it? They just rubber stamp it and send it over to the Defense Department. And, of course, these big companies that are making all the money off the Defense Department then feed money back into the pockets of people in Congress so they continue to rubber stamp these fucking ridiculous budgets for the Defense Department. But not once, nobody, Democrats or Republicans, nobody says, how can we afford that? 
How is that possible? Isn't that going to raise inflation? Isn't that going to cause us all kinds of problems? Isn't it? Aren't we worried about what our children are going to have to pay for? No, they never say that about that budget. But when it comes to the budget that's going to give money back to the people who have been paying the taxes, oh boy, we can't afford that. You see the ridiculousness here? This isn't about what's true. This isn't about what's right. This is about what people in Congress can do to put more money in their pocket. And the middle class and the general public, be damned. Who gives a fuck about them? That's why it's so frustrating to see how hard they're fighting to get this Build Back Better bill passed with all these clowns saying we can't afford it. Well, the fact of the matter is we can't afford not to fucking do it. So get it done. So have you heard about uh, Representative Ayanna Presley? She made a resolution today to remove Lauren Boebert from her committees. Now, you know what Lauren Boebert's problems are. There's tons of problems with her. First of all, she's stupid. Second of all, she's a terrorist. Third of all, she's an insurrectionist. Lastly, she's constantly attacking, making racist attack against Ilhan Omar. You remember, she was standing in front of a bunch of these uh, trump and she uh, told the joke about being on the elevator. She referred to... Ilhan Omar as a terrorist, and then she even insinuated that she could be a uh, suicide bomber, which is fucking ridiculous, which is fucking racist. And of course, everybody expected Kevin McCarthy, the leader of her party, the minority leader in the House of Representatives, to do something to reprimand her. And of course, he doesn't, because he's afraid to make Donald Trump angry. Kevin McCarthy likes to think of himself as a leader, but I got to tell you what, in the Republican Party, the leaders are the Lauren Boeberts, the Paul Gosars, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Jim Jordan, uh, the crazies of the crazies are running the Republican Party. And that's why that party is in such fucking disarray. And that's why that party will come to an end as we know it. It already has, for that matter. They don't look like anything we ever remember seeing the Republican Party looking like. They're just a bunch of crazy-ass conspiracy theorists making all kinds of claims, threatening violence, inciting insurrection against our government. But now Representative Ayanna Presley has made a resolution to remove Lauren Boebert from her committees. They already did that to Marjorie Taylor Greene. They already did that to Paul Gozar for their fucking mouths and their attitudes. Now they want to do it to Lauren Boebert. And they fucking absolutely should. They've got to. You can't allow that kind of thing going on in Congress. They expect people in Congress to be better than that. And if they aren't, they need to be reprimanded and punished. And since Kevin McCarthy isn't willing to do that, well, then you're going to have to have the House of Representatives vote on it. And since the Democrats have the majority, she's going to have her committee appointments taken away from her. I mean, we could do this every fucking day. 
Marjorie Taylor Greene, no committee appointments. Lauren Boebert will have hers taken away. Paul Gosar had his taken away. Fuck, we can go through the entire Republican Party in the House of Representatives and take away their committee appointments. And then they aren't worth a shit. They have no power. They have nothing to do. They're just bopping around, spewing conspiracy theories, and acting like dipshits. So we'll see if they take that to a vote in the House of Representatives. Should they do that? Well, I'm afraid to say that Lauren Boebert's going to lose that one, and she's going to lose her committee assignments. Now she's going to get all excited and upset and all this stuff. But this woman is a nutcase. She's a danger to this country. Did you see her Christmas card? It was her and her husband and kids. No, it's just her and her kids, all right? And they all have these semi-automatic assault weapons with them in the picture in front of the Christmas tree. (laughs) I'm surprised my Uncle Kenny wasn't there because he would have fit in perfectly given his experience on Christmas. Now, she was just copying some other representative who did the same thing and got shit for it. But you see, this this is the problem with Trumplicans. It's not enough to believe differently than everybody else. They need to shove it in your face. They're looking for a reaction, and you almost have to give some kind of fucking reaction, but what do you do? To grab guns back, to fight with them, to yell and scream at them? It doesn't work. It doesn't help, and it just gives them attention they don't fucking deserve. So all you can really do is take away their committee assignments, make sure they don't get reelected by bringing in other candidates who will blow them out of the water. Now, I'll tell you this. Come the next election, now keep in mind, when you're in the House of Representatives, you're up for election every two years. Senate, it's six years. But in the House, you have to run for re-election every two years. So I'm not sure if all three of these are up for re-election in 2022, but I think two of them at least are. And you can bet that when that happens, they're going to get blown out. They're a fucking embarrassment to the Republican Party. They're an embarrassment to all of Congress. And they are um, a stain on America in general. So it's going to be interesting here to see if the House of Representatives actually votes on taking her committee assignments away. I hope they fucking do. And when they do... Don't be surprised if you hear Kevin McCarthy and Lauren Boebert and all these clowns screaming and yelling and making threats. But go ahead, you do that. You don't think before you act, and now you're going to do something stupid. And then we can use it against you one way or another. (laughs) I hate that bitch. She is so fucking stupid. I mean, I can deal with somebody who's arrogant. I can deal with somebody who's aggressive. But when you're stupid on top of it, that's just fucking intolerable to me. This woman has a certain amount of power, and she's dumb as a rock. That has to be an embarrassment for her constituency back in Colorado or for Marjorie Taylor Greene's constituency or the folks in Arizona that elected Paul Gozar. you got to be embarrassed, for Christ's sake. Even if you are a hardcore Republican and love Donald Trump, you've got to be embarrassed by how stupid these fucking people are and how detrimental they are to democracy and this government. 
So hopefully the House of Representatives will uh, grab a hold of her, make sure her committee appointments are gone, and she is worthless like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar are at this point. All right. Well, a couple other things I wanted to bring up. Um, Louis DeJoy. Now, he is the postmaster general. He runs the U.S. post office. Donald Trump appointed him. And uh, all he did is he did everything he could to fuck up the post office. And he did. He slowed everything down. He destroyed expensive machines that the United States post office owned. He was arrogant. He was aggressive. He was an asshole. And when Joe Biden came in, a lot of people said, wow, why don't they, why doesn't he just fire him? Well, given the way the circumstances were in government, Joe Biden didn't have the power to just fire him. What Joe Biden had to do is look at the committee that oversees the Postal Service, these commissioners, and those commissioners had the power to fire Louis DeJoy. But of course, many of these commissioners come from the Trump era, and nobody's going to do it if they're Trump uh, Trump fucks. They're not going to get rid of DeJoy. They're going to try to own the libs and keep them in there and let them screw up the United States Post Office, which is troubling because there's a lot of businesses and a lot of people that count on the U.S. Postal Service. And if it's screwed up, it screws up their business. I can't believe Republicans want to do that, but apparently they do. The good news is Joe Biden can replace commissioners on this committee that oversee Louis DeJoy. And he did that. He replaced two of them. So that puts the commission in a position to get rid of Louis DeJoy. And it looks like we're getting very close to that. Somebody needs to fire his ass, and then they need to look into the illegalities that he was involved in while he was the postmaster general, and even before. He's under investigation. He needs to go to jail because he's a fucking criminal. But first and foremost, we have to get him out of his position so we can get the U.S. Postal Service working back the way it was supposed to fucking work in the same at the same time. So it looks like that's going to happen here sometime soon. Those commissioners were replaced by Biden. They'll be in a position to vote his firing. And then hopefully we can get somebody in there that knows what the fuck they're doing and isn't trying to destroy a perfectly good uh, department within the U.S. government. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I also wanted to talk about the U.S. Senate because something interesting happened in the U.S. Senate. The United States Senate voted to repeal President Biden's vaccine mandate for businesses. You probably remember when Joe Biden set the mandate for all businesses with employees of 100 or more to have to follow the vaccine mandate. If you have a company with more than 100 employees, then you must insist everybody in your company get vaccinated or tested at least. Now, a lot of people kicked about that, and apparently the U.S. Senate doesn't like it. But here's the problem. If you look at the U.S. Senate, you and I both know that it's split 50-50 with Democrat and Republican. 
So in order for the U.S. Senate to, re- to vote to repeal this mandate, that means some Democrats had to step in and vote to repeal it. Yeah, fucking Democrats. Now, you won't be surprised to hear about the first one. That is Joe Manchin in West Virginia. West Virginia is largely a red state, but Manchin is a Democrat, but just barely. He calls himself a moderate, but he's, for all intents and purposes, a conservative. He voted to repeal this vaccine mandate for businesses of 100 employees or more. Now, there was one other senator that did it, too. His, um, his name is John Tester, and he's from Montana. He voted to repeal it. So it was 52 to 48 to repeal. So the U.S. Senate did vote to repeal the mandate. Now, you're probably wondering, why would Joe Manchin and John Tester do this? Well, think about the states we're talking about. We're talking about West Virginia, largely a red state. Montana, a lot of red in that state, too. So it's likely that there are some or considerable amount of anti-vaxxers in that state. Now, if these clowns want to get reelected, they have to kind of play to those people. Yeah, I'm shutting this down for you folks that don't want to be fucking vaccinated. (laughs) But here's the problem. The Senate doesn't get the final word on this deal. It also has to pass through the House of Representatives, and it will go to the House of Representatives where they will vote on it. Unfortunately for the Republicans, the Trumplicans, the anti-vaxxers, and all these stupid motherfuckers, the House of Representatives is controlled by the Democrats. So the likelihood that this would repeal would pass through the House of Representatives is slim. Now, I guess it could. I mean, I understand how some politicians might want to be against it because businesses in their uh, districts are having troubles now getting employees anyway. And now if you're going to force people to get the vaccination, there's going to be people that quit or get fired, and it's going to be tough to run your business. And frankly, the government shouldn't do something that makes it harder for you to do business. They want you to flourish so that you pay more taxes, unless you get really big and you pay no taxes. But these normal size companies, it is a problem when the government does something to hinder them being successful and doing business. But at the same time, we've got a vaccine mandate, and we've got that mandate for very good reasons. We've got a, a, a pandemic, a virus that's killed more than almost 800,000 people. So that's a tough choice. What do you do? Joe Biden decided to put out the vaccine mandate and insist that businesses do that. Passes the U.S. Senate. I guess that's not that surprising. But now it goes to the House, and it probably won't pass. So the repeal won't happen. It'll hold steady, just as Joe Biden intended it to hold steady. So this is all just a show for those people like Manchin and Tester and the Republicans to show their constituents that they're doing their duty for them, even though it's the absolute wrong thing to do. When they passed it in the Senate, 
there's no way they expected it would pass in the House, so it was easy for them. They could uh, vote to repeal it, and then uh, it doesn't get repealed. So no harm, no foul, right? It's just a show to their people that they're in line, in lockstep with the anti-vaxxers in their state. And as I wrap things up, I want to talk about anti-vaxxers. For a long time, I was really pushing hard for everybody to get vaccinated. Even the people that weren't sure about it, I wanted them to get vaccinated. And there's only one reason why I wanted them to get vaccinated. Because I was worried about innocent children, children that couldn't get the vaccine, that were susceptible to getting COVID-19 or Delta or now the Omicron. I'm worried about those kids. Well, now most kids, at least over the age of five, have the capability of getting the vaccine. So those people that want to be vaccinated, the children that get vaccinated, they are safe. So now we're in a much different situation. We've got anti-vaxxers that don't want to do it. And it's mostly them that are being affected. Mostly them that are getting sick, being hospitalized, and uh, dying, some of them. These are also the same people that are passing that virus on to other anti-vaxxers who in turn are getting sick, going to the hospital, and potentially dying. Now, when you talk to an anti-vaxxer, they talk to me like, you can't make me do it. Don't worry about it. Don't care if you fucking do it. In fact, now that the kids are safe, or most of the kids are safe, don't get vaxxed. I don't give a shit. In fact, I would prefer you don't get vaccinated. Because if given all this evidence to save your life, you decide not to take it, well, that's on you, bitch. We don't care. I mean, the fact of the matter is, at this point, we know that uh, people that aren't vaccinated are dying three to five times more often than people that are vaccinated. The only people that die that are vaccinated are people that are elderly or have underlying problems physically, and they just can't fight off the virus. But people that are normal or healthy that have are vaccinated, they're not getting real sick. They're not going into the hospital and they're not dying. The only people that are dying are the unvaccinated. And at this stage of the game, now that the kids have the opportunity to be safe, you want to go out there and get sick and kill yourself or pass it on to other folks and kill them? Godspeed. Go the fuck ahead and do it. Because all you're doing is making 2022 a lot easier for the Democrats. Every one of you dumb fucks that die or become incapacitated are just one less vote for the Republicans come 2022. You want to do all these things to rig the elections, to cheat in the elections. But you're too stupid to understand that if you die, you can't vote. I mean, even you were the ones that were complaining about Democrats that were dead, that were voting, which didn't happen. And when you die, you're not going to get an opportunity to vote because it's not happening. I'm just getting very tired of these people acting like we care or we should care or they're going to fight us if we push them to get the vaccine. Let me just say here and now, I don't fucking care. I don't care if you get vaccinated. I don't care about you. If you're so stupid and you end up dying from it, don't expect any tears from me. You're not going to get any. 
In fact, you might even get a little cheer from me because it'd be one more stupid-ass trump fuck piece of shit out of the way. <laughs> somebody will say to me, that's not very Christian, that's not very liberal. Well, I am a Christian, and I'll fight with that uh, debate within myself. But as far as being liberal, I'm not all that liberal. I'm helping the liberals now because the Republicans are just whacked out conspiracy theory, far-right fucking freaks, and somebody has to shut them down. I'm a little different Democrat than they're used to dealing with. I'm not going to turn the other cheek. I'm not going to cry for you if you're injured or hurt. Good for you if you do it. You had your chance to prepare yourself and protect yourself, and you refused to do it. So as far as I'm concerned, if you get sick and die, you fucking deserve it. You fucking deserve it, and I hope you get it if uh, if you're one of these people trying to convince other people not to get vaccinated. Don't care about you. I hope you do get sick. And a lot of people will give me shit about that. I don't care. That's just what I think. And like I've always said, when I sit here and I do the podcast or do TikToks, I'm not trying to tell you the things you want to hear. I'm not trying to tell you the things that are most appropriate. I'm just telling you what I think. And there will be people who disagree with me, and that's fine. You can disagree with me. I've been married 38 years. i got somebody that disagrees with me every fucking day. I can deal with it. <laughs> I can even admit when I'm wrong. I couldn't before I was married, but now that I've been married this long, I've been forced to learn that uh, skill. <laughs> but I'm not wrong here. This is just my opinion. If you've had all the information and you've had the opportunity to protect yourself and you still refuse and you get sick and die, good. I don't fucking care. <laughs> you know, it kind of seems like when I talk like that, I might have a little Uncle Kenny in me. <laughs> no, not really. When it comes to my kids, when it comes to the holidays, it's a time to be sensitive, be with your family, be with your friends, and just... Uh, enjoy those days together because they're few and far between. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending the time with me. We're going to keep coming at you like we always do and try to keep you informed of what's happening in the news and try to give you the full story as opposed to the bullshit that you get on the TV news. So we will talk to you again really soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.